<laughs> it will be an exciting video. Yeah. Right. I lose my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that always reminds me of the Ponty Ponty of the Monty Python um, skit where they have this beautiful English tennis team or whatever cricket team whatever is and there's a cricket ball and then an arm falls off and it starts squirting blood and at the end it's one red ugly scene of uh, lots of blood and that sort of things I don't know what this has to do with the per podcast Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, and this is the Per Podcast. And I have to apologize a little bit because we have been dormant for a couple of weeks. We took a very long Christmas holiday. But now we're back, and we have our amazing co-host, Dr. Kelly St. Diddy. Hello, Hello, Kelly. Hello. How are you? How are you, Kelly? And the question that I always have for you uh, is, how cold is it in wherever you are in the but I am in Southern Ontario and it is about minus 15 degrees Celsius. So for my Fahrenheit friends, that's colder, colder than you think. <laughs> so yes, that is really cold. And as a matter of fact, uh, in Kansas, it was minus 17. So this is the first time ever in the whole history of the podcast, which has been spending now three years, that it is colder in Kansas than in Canada. And I'm not totally sure how that's possible because I thought all the bad weather came from the north. <laughs> but uh you know for some reason we're in a cold bubble yeah. but that's not the topic of our discussions we have an amazing guest dr adam chrisman what's going on party people <laughs> <laughs> i'm very happy that you're on the show adam because i wanted to, you to be on the show for a long long time and uh, because we have so much to talk about um first of course the weather yeah yeah well, at least I can actually move around. I'm not like frozen, like Elsa got both of you, it sounds like, my goodness. But for me, it's a little bit on the chilly side. It actually was a little warm. It's like a teaser here in New Jersey. Like it was like in the forties, we're like, oh, okay, we like this. And then we have a weather alert that said it's going down to like 15 degrees. So everything's starting to freeze from the rain. So yeah, there goes my hip. <laughs> yeah, watch that slide. That's what I'm, I, you know, we're going to talk about the, uh, no, I want to say your wiener, but that doesn't sound very good. But you're dachshunds, and uh, and and you have a, a slide, so I can see you sliding down the slide, and then you know your hip popping out right. in the snow. Um, the uh, and we'll talk about your social media presence anyway. But first, uh, I'll have a question for you both, uh, and that is about cats and snow. Uh, how do cats deal with snow and? uh you know do we feel that we can if it's minus 70 can we put the cats outside are they okay dr kelly uh, i would say no probably not i mean if they're the kind of cat that's used to going outdoors we probably want to have them out for significantly less time um, and certainly generally speaking they probably should stay in but if you look at bobcats and those kind of cats they can be outside don't they 
they do stay outside and they are well outside, but they probably have a normal shifting of their coat and they have different ways of dealing with the cold that are indoor domestic cats. You know, they do have a little bit of coat change from season to season, but it's not significant comparatively. Uh, and they certainly don't have the coping skills to deal with the kind of snow, at least we have here, <laughs> which is over yeah. a foot of snow. <laughs> so I, think I can tell you here. from experience that little Chippy uh, does not like snow. No. Uh, he held his uh, number two for three days because he did not want to go outside. And I put a little video, which didn't get 12 million people watching, but I got a lot of comments about people complaining Complaining that little Chippy was shivering in the snow, which was about two seconds after I put him on the spot. It's not that he was there for hours, but he just does this little shiver action, and then uh, and everybody feels really bad about it. But uh, Doctor Adam, we know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we talk only about cats. We don't say the D word in this uh, in, in in this environment. And if you do, you owe us a bowl of wine. So I'm just warning you in advance. The only one says dachshund. Uh, dachshund <laughs> is a, that's okay. It's the E-O-G word. Or, uh, you're safe, Adam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Adam is okay. He okay. can say wiener, he can say dachshund. That, that's all okay. Okay. Oh, cool. So Adam, um, what is your experience with cats in general? Well, you know, I'm still practicing medicine too. So I see them just as much as I see dogs. And uh you know, I think, you know what I love actually though, friends is like, don't you love how cool veterinary medicine has advanced the, the past five years, I would say for at least our cat friends. Mm -hmm. Like even when I first started practicing, yeah, I mean, cats were not small dogs back then too, but it's just, I don't know the way in which we approach them, the way we provide care, the way our clients are meeting or ex wanting those, that expectation, I think it's unparalleled, which is really, really awesome. I love that fact. And so um, so the way I, I see that is just um, they're leveling up. Cat parents know a thing or two. And yeah, obviously there's more cat parents than dog parents out there. Sorry, DOG parents, but um, but they know. And so, you know, I love that. And I walk into that exam room that there's that high level of expectation. Like, oh, he better know, you know, how he's going to approach my cat. Um, he's going to talk to me about blood work, DNA testing, metabolic disease, endocrine, nutrition. Like they already know these things, which is great. So I think it's cool. It's a great time to be a veterinarian. Great so what does the, the, the owner, what do you tell the owner when they say my cat is an outside cat and what should I do when it snows? I go into the next exam room is what I do. <laughs> 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 no, I'm, I'm, I'm you, serious. You, I go into the next exam room. No, <laughs> you call the cat expert from the clinic and say, hey, come in, right. please. Uh, we have a crazy cat lady or crazy cat uh, mister yeah. here and uh, he needs some advice i i always were wondered about it you know the the cats are so domesticated but you know kelly if, if cats go outside normally don't they def, uh, develop a different fur anyway then they may uh, you know i don't know the exact answer to that question but i would imagine so and i was gonna say i do know some of my previous clients who have outdoor cats that are confined to their yard and in the winter time they shovel them pathways through all the mm -hmm. snow and they have trees and stuff that they can climb on. So they've actually set out an outdoor environment in the snow for the cats. So I think the concern and, obviously is that they're going to get too cold or if they get lost, then, then they're potentially going to be in a lot of trouble. And, and talking about paths, one of the reasons that I love Dr. Chrisman, Adam here, because he has an amazing social media 
uh, following both on TikTok but on other platforms too. But he uh, dug a path for his little D's. So Adam, can you talk about it a little bit? What, how you adapted your your wintry garden into a uh, wiener paradise? It is literally a racetrack in the backyard. I feel like I should put like a number on them with a Sharpie to see like who's going to do the zoomies the quickest. So, but they are low riders, you know, so they're low to the ground, just like your baby is. So um, I created and here I am. It's the veterinarian. I mean, like I want them to be like challenged. I just don't want it to be a circle. So I'm like, well, let me go left. And if they go left then they can go left or right when they go down this hill. So um, they have a ramp that they go down. And then it's cute because they have to process it in like a nanosecond if they should go left or right. But, um, you know, they, they don't like to, um, I would say most dogs don't like to really like do business on the snow in my world, you know, but I mean, it depends on the type of dog, but they need a patch of grass. So um, that's the reason why I did it, but they love it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, you see them run around and around and around. That probably right. doesn't going to happen with a cat though. I, I don't see a cat do that, but I, I like the idea, Kelly, when you were talking about that they put a tree in there that they can at least climb into the tree so they don't have to sit in the snow themselves. Right. Yeah, they did send me videos and it was very similar to what uh, Adam's describing in terms of the cats were running around in those pathways and chasing each other. And yeah, it was quite interesting to watch. And they built you know, a huge fence so the cats don't go out of the yard. So they stay there. I, I work at the shelter too, and um, we're doing a massive renovation project. And what I, another thing that I love again is the way in which they're understanding how shelter cats are being, um, you know, how they're gonna live. And so they are bu building this massive catio now, which is incredible. So massive catio with, um, if they go indoor outdoors, they have these igloos too. So I think of like how that can um, be uh, protected. One of my co coworkers, he just got his whole backyard done by a cat company where they put the fence all over. So it kind of like at the top, it, if, if a cat was to hang at the top of the fence, it actually falls. So the cat can actually fall, but not go the opposite way and stay inside. So uh, just so many cool things. Again, to your point of like how they can be outside safely is, um, is really fascinating now. Yeah, requires some creativity, but catios are the best. I'm, I've been watching a lot of videos because I want to build one for my cats. But, yeah. But yeah. you're going to build one yourself? I am. I am. Yeah, up on our property up north. So I might videotape it because, you know, I've never used a bill saw. So it might be entertaining for some people. Oh, to watch. Oh. <laughs> it will be an exciting video. Yeah. Right. I lose my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that always reminds me of the Ponty, Ponty of the Monty Python um, skit where they have this beautiful English tennis team or whatever cricket team whatever it is and there's a cricket ball and then an arm falls off and it starts squirting blood and at the end it's one red ugly scene of uh, lots of blood and that sort of things I don't know what this has to do with the per podcast but I thought it was kind of fun. a nice yes exactly so I, I would definitely uh, tell people type in uh, Monty Python uh, cricket and then you'll find it but it's really funny um so so adam um you so you're an active practitioner what are things that you see the most in cats so why do people bring in their cats to you um i, I think the biggest one is kind of the adr you know that ain't doing right we just don't know what's going on tends to be uh, i would this is my top three so the adr i don't know what's going on with my cat uh gi vomiting diarrhea probably number number two 
And then something that has to be more physical. So it's usually like a skin or dermatologic kind of disorder, you know? So either if it's OCD, is it behavioral or is it like a skin atopic dermatitis, fleas, those kinds of things. So um, yeah, that's tends to be what I, what I see quite a bit and vaccination preventive yeah. care, which is yeah. amazing. Of course, you know, that's something that we're always, I feel we're still not a hundred percent there with educating our cat parents about indoor cat health and vaccinations, yeah. but um but I do think that's a huge part of what we do, preventive medicine as veterinarians. That's, that's a very good point, I think. Uh, and, and so how can we help cat owners or how can we help veterinarians talk better about that to cat owners? Yeah, I think it, it's, we have to be more confident in those exam rooms when we talk about these things, uh, not giving them like flexible words like, well, maybe, or we should, or you could, like we need, I like more stronger words, we need to, I want you to, and the why behind it. And I always share this story, like I had a, a client years ago, cat was indoors, 100% indoors in apartment complex too, but windows, you know, happen when the mosquito comes in, cat ends up having heartworm, dies, Whoa. thought it was asthma, you know, yep. and so, and I use that because I know from experience now, I was like, listen, indoor cats can develop fleas, intestinal parasites, heart wound disease. And so I want you, and I know how much you love your fur baby as much as I do. And I want her to live as long as possible. So we need to do these things, X, Y, and Z, distemper, fecal, blood work, and to stay on top of that. It's important. Yeah, I love that approach because so many people uh, think that when there are cats indoors, it's like some kind of protective bubble. Yes. So um, and then you ask them a hundred times different ways, uh, is your cat indoors or out? Do they go outside? Nope, nope, they don't go outside. They're indoors only. And then five minutes later, it's like, well, he does go out on the patio a little bit, sometimes down on the grass. And he was right. at the neighbors the other day, but he's indoors yeah. only, right? So I, I even take it one step cl no, closer and I say like, how often does your cat go outside? Yeah. Because sometimes you'll be like, you'll get this. Oh my God. No, never. But then like, oh yeah, she went over to grandma's house. We brought her over there. You know, we went to go visit my brother with the cat. I was like, yeah. oh, because people are traveling a lot more with their animals too. And they don't yeah. realize that like to go out is either like outside, but versus like a car ride or right. a family's house or those kinds of things. And those are those open-ended questions that make that okay. Cause I always use the treat question as an example, where if you ask someone if they give their cats treats, they'll always say no. But if you ask them what kind of treats they give, you've made it okay that they're giving treats and then they can tell you what they give, right? Yeah. So that's a good one too for outside. I never thought about asking about it that way. It's very good. I never one. give treats to little Chippy. No, never, never, I, never. I don't see your fanny pack full of treats in your pocket, nothing. <laughs> never. No, exactly, exactly. Well, that's a really, that's a really good point though, that, you know, you, you I think owners often are afraid for saying something bad at a veterinarian. So if you can take away that threshold and make it okay to talk about these things, then they probably will tell it, tell you much more things than, uh, than if you don't. I figure I have a very expressive face because they often say to me, well, I didn't want to get in trouble. Right? I oh. didn't say anything, but I must have some kind of really bad, i never play poker. Uh, <laughs> they obviously think, no, I'm thinking that's not a good idea. <laughs> So yeah, those open-ended questions are great. Right. And, and, and I also, I was gonna say one other thing that we've done too is, um, you know, adopted virtual care. You know, it's um, it's a great, especially, especially the cat parents. I mean, I think they love it more so than dog parents for the following reasons that you get to see them in their environment. Mm -hmm. And I can call them out on things too. I was like, I see a window that's a crack right there. <laughs> you know, like, in your bubble. 
Right, right. And I like to see like where the litter box is. It helps me understand more if there's inappropriate elimination. Mm -hmm. So I know like, okay, we well, have it near the laundry room. That that probably might be a nuisance too. And so, and also watching their, their gait when they're home to see if there's any abnormalities with pain. And and then I get to say, can you show me the the what you're feeding them? And they'll like take the camera and they'll show it where it's, they're like, oh wait, no, wait, don't look at this bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's actually good. Yeah, I used to do some of my behavioral consults that way too. Although I used to be able to do home visits, which was nice for hit yeah. behavior. But uh, yeah, even video is good. You know what so, it is too is like we're we're living in a time where we're we're for veterinarians we're trying to find that like flexibility in our schedules a little bit, and so and I talk about this soon. I say you know it's it's not a it's it's so valuable if you have a doctor that wants to do their blood work from home, totally one on one. Do it Zoom, do it over you know, a call. And that way you have that one-on-one -on -one time to go over lab work results, individualized care. You can charge mm -hmm. accordingly for it, but then you can also peel back the curtain and look at their house a little bit too, to see like what their environment looks like. You know, especially when you talk about allergies and again, like moving around, are there stairs in their house or they're not? Um, you know, it, it's really good to set, up, set that expectation. Cause if I was like back in the day when the, we didn't have virtual care and I was offering that, well, I need you to brush your dog's teeth. And I see people like struggling at home with things or like having, or if they're elderly or they have rheumatoid arthritis, whatever it is, I'm not going to have that expectation. So we have to look for alternatives. So I think the value of virtual care is just more than just like the education. You can really get a good relationship going with those clients. Yeah. Yeah, for and sure. virtual care also means that you don't need really expensive tools to be able to do it. Hey, you already mentioned Zoom and you know, everybody right. has a phone, so it doesn't have to be very complicated. Um, I really like that idea of having a house check, you know, a virtual yeah. house check. That's yeah. that's very good. So you can also see where the cat lives, you know, right. what the escape routes are, if they were able to go anywhere. And, you know, and I, I, I like the fact also that that you ask them to point out the litter box um, yep. because often people have not enough litter boxes or too small or right. the you know, there's location. reasons why why cats uh, go beyond the litter box uh, and it's nice to see the home experience instead of that they are telling you yeah you know everything is fine and have a litter box and i clean it every day and so they probably will clean it just before you call adam right. <laughs> you know with the really keen clients i will often sometimes ask them to uh draw layouts of their house too and put down where the various resources are because that can really help especially in a behavioral issue but now that we have a better understanding that like inappropriate resources can lead to illness then that's also important to say with cats with gi disease or urinary tract disease like feline idiopathic cystitis where you know not cleaning the litter box or having only one litter box for five cats is is contributing to the problem. So knowing where those litter boxes are, where the food is, having them draw that out is cool. And people often get really into that stuff. So I know I asked uh, I asked someone to do it a few months ago. They were having some behavioral issues and I thought, oh, I'll get that back for the next week. They sent it over in an hour. They went home and like drew the whole layout and all where the scratch posts were and the litter boxes, everything. And every cat's individual territory that they thought you know the cat stays in this area and it was really helpful but I was like I, I'm like they already sent it in an hour I had to get on it right away I felt compelled to not leave it uh, so that was interesting how keen they were they were very keen 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Adam, uh, you're also pretty well known uh, because of your uh, social media presence. Um, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the show, but uh, can you tell us a little bit how you use social media to educate people, uh, why you started with it, why it became such a huge success? You were talking about a video that you posted just hit 12 million people, which is amazing. So, so w what is the secret here? Um, the secret is being your authentic storytelling self is really what it is. I think the pandemic has taught us to be ourselves. And when you're on these Zoom calls, people are looking at you, they're looking at the room. Some of us do not have makeup on or hair done or whatever. And you know what? You take all that away. And what they really like is what you have to say and to show like how you connect through the camera as well as with your own animals. And so I realized that when I first started this, like years ago, I started a YouTube channel. I still have it, but I wanted to really like educate in a different format. I thought I can reach a little bit more and then cut to the world of TikTok. So this is what I say. This is just my opinion, by the way. So like Facebook is where you tell everybody that your friends are dead. And so like, you just let everybody know like this person passed away, blah, blah, blah. Healing vibes and thoughts, which is fine. And then you can connect those Facebook groups, of course. Instagram, it was made for our animals, right? We love showcasing our pictures of our fur babies. I think that's what it was made. But then TikTok is where the party's at, you know? It's like, you set it to music, you have uh, 60 seconds less than that to kind of nail something educational, three seconds to hook them and pro provide some sort of a value by the end of a minute is up. That's pretty powerful stuff. And the fact that you can reach so many people in such a short amount of time, is really incredible. So I started to do that a little bit more once the pandemic hit because um, being in this position here at DVM 360, I was hearing from so many veterinarians like, my gosh, you know, the wait times are through the roof. So I said, let me just show you a quick video on like how to brush your dog's teeth, how to clean their ears. What does it mean when your dog has to get spayed? What are the types of nutrition that's out there that you should know about? And so it, it built up, it built an audience up, which I didn't expect it to. And it, it happened kind of quickly unexpectedly I really did not think that this is I'm like people want to hear me you know <laughs> like, I'm just of all voice. people right of all people to hear me <laughs> this guy but it, it's great because I you know love showcasing that so then what I did is I took it one step net further and I went live so here's a fun fact that you both probably do not know about me is I have never missed a single day of going TikTok live with my audience. So I have been TikTok live for at least two years. So over 780 something days, I've been, to, I've never missed a day, whether it be five minutes or an hour and a half, um, I've done that. And what that has done is it built a community. And so people that are coming in, they're helping other pet parents out. Like, oh, I had a, a great cat treat for you. DM me, I'm gonna send you something. I see all these different things that were happening. It was amazing. And so like just last night, for instance, I go live and I get an idea of how many go live, how many are, are active before you hit the live button. So last night I had 320,000 followers that were live, you know, active. And so I go live in the room and then people, again, like you and I have an attention span, maybe we'll be in for like a minute or two but you get something, some value in there. So over the course of a half hour last night, I had about 8,000 people that were in the room. That's pretty powerful, you know, pretty powerful stuff that you can build a connection. And we were talking about dental month, it's February dental month. So I was showing them the different toothpastes and toothbrushes that you can use for dogs and cats. And people take screenshots of things, they save it, then I get tagged in stories. And I just love it there. The feedback that I get is thank you for letting me level up as a pet parent. Because 
I think, like I was telling you earlier on the podcast, is that pet owners really want that higher level education. They really do. And they want it to come from you. They want it to come from your veterinarian, veterinary technician, so forth. And I think that's powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I totally agree. And, and so the, the reason you chose TikTok as your platform, because I always tell people, choose one of them, be right. really good at them. Don't have like 15, like I do, but um, just focus on, on one that, that you really like. Was it your video background that decided you to go to TikTok? Because you have Reels now at Instagram and you have Facebook, whatever they call it. I mean, they're trying to copy, of course, the same thing. Um, is what what is the advantage of TikTok for you? I think I I hit the Generation Z whatever it is a little. I feel like I am one. <laughs> I think I was born in the wrong generation. What I tell everybody, uh, yeah. I, so I have I have that great ability to connect to the younger uh, generation, which I love. So uh, music is my jam. If you know me, that's what I I love. I live through music, workout, surgery, all that. I need music around me. So when I had that as a tool that can use, uh, that's my jam. I'm not a dancer. I can't dance, <laughs> nor have I. Will you see me dancing much in in these videos? <laughs> but we do have great colleagues that can really throw it down, which is amazing. And I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, you know, people should not go to your TikTok to see the moves. Yeah, I got none. Yeah. Like, what, what about bubbles? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you talking about like the, yeah. the yeah. things or whatever? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be very popular lately. That is popular too. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just like to do my thing and tell my story and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, very good. Very good. So as a matter of fact, you know, it's crazy because we're 25 minutes already in and I, I told you, I warned you that uh, the podcasts are around 25 minutes. So we're at the end. Kelly, one more question from you, if you want. I you always put me on the spot like this, Yola. <laughs> I, don't have another I tend to do that. Yeah, you do. Um, Wait, I have my question for you then. Since yeah. I love music so much, my question for the two of you is, what would be your walkout song? Like if I was to open up, let's say, um, you know, you're going to give a talk or whatever, or you're going to go to like a really great group where people are going to be around there. What would be like, you need to get hyped up. So what's your like, your walkout song for it? Do you have one? Oh, wow. That's a good question. It might be. I, you can you can think about it because I'm going to answer because I'm one of those persons that, you know, flaps anything out. But um, I never remember the name of the person and the song. So I'm really bad at that. So if you would say, OK, what is your song? I would say, hmm, I know the song, but I have no idea what they're singing about. And I, I don't know that, but I do know that uh, Dua Lipa is one of my favorite artists in the world because she's so amazing. And, and so, and her, her sound is, you know, I, I love her groove. So that would probably be one of her songs. Uh, uh, maybe one kiss or, you know, all the other songs I forgot the name of, but I would say Dua Lipa. Yeah. Don't stop now. Don't start the walking on about me now, right? That's the song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kelly, it's your turn. Oh, I'm thinking something from Queen. I don't know, but oh. drawing a blank. 
You know, I want always want to pick Bohemian Rhapsody, but that's not really a walk out walk in song. That's more of a it song. takes it, it, it's a long <laughs> walk out. I can tell you that if it, yeah. if it's Bohemian Rhapsody, you'll be walking for a long time. time. Yeah, it's you know it's either that or ACDC's Highway to Hell, and that doesn't work. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Adam. What about you? Oh, it's DMX up in here. So you all make me lose my mind up in here. You know that song? <laughs> in here. No. Anybody? Uh, what 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 decade are we talking about? The nineties. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about it. Okay, that's before our time. Um, next topic is no. Just kidding. Uh, now, a great great song, by the way. Um, so thank you, Adam, for a fantastic podcast. You'll be back in a week. Uh, we can't wait for number two. We're going to talk about a lot of things and. One of the things that we're going to talk about, which is the cliffhanger right here, is the VM360 and what you do for that amazing company. And so, Kelly, thank you for being on with the podcast. This is the Per Podcast. You can find more information, perpodcast.net. And uh, we also have a handle on any social media platform, although I don't think we're on TikTok. Mm. Hmm. Maybe mm. we need Adam to help us there. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that next week. For it's our fantastic per podcast TikTok channel. All right, thank you so much. See you next week. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove screwbite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast. 